Hello, thanks for joining in today. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It's taken me a while to start my recording for the day. I'll try to be earlier in the day next time because I know most of my American friends will be sleeping. I need to talk about a few things. First of all, electoral college amnesia. Why do uh, so many Americans still have electoral college amnesia? Can we please stop it? it? Maybe it's a function of American confidence, which is a great attribute. Uh, but American confidence helps you think, I personally need to select a winning candidate and vote for that candidate in the primaries. In Australia, we don't even select the candidates who, who run for office. The parties select them and then we vote for the political party and candidate we like in an election. So there's a lot less time and energy uh, and ego poured into our selection process. But that's as it may be. Uh, I don't want to criticise your processes, but work with what we've got. Can, can I please ask for there to be... I'm not going to ask for more humility, but could people look around them and say, what do people need? Where, are, where do we need to peel off Trump's support from? Most people of colour don't support Trump. Nine out of ten Trump supporters are white, and there's a reason for that. Whether people acknowledge it or not, uh, Trump taps into white anxiety at losing demographic dominance. And he also manages to trade in on a false uh, image he's cultivated of being a successful businessman. So Trump appeals to those Americans who thought, well, maybe he'll do a good job of managing the economy and I need a good economy to have a job and to feed my family and support my family in, in as much comfort as I can possibly acquire. Now, something people might not know is that Trump's support has been falling with, uh, with white women with no college degrees. So what we need for electoral success for the Democratic Party is to work with trends that are already happening. It's not just enough to try and bring people good information. Uh, it's how we can shift the stories that people hear, the narratives that resonate most profoundly with people and that explain the world in a way that, that people can accept. So persuasive telling, but also an acknowledgement of, of where people are at present. So let's look at this study because this is a McClatchy article entitled, um, I'll scroll up to the top for you, entitled The Kind of Voter Trump Can't Lose, Working Class White Women Drift Towards Democrats. And it's from November the 5th, 2019. Of course, like many people, I'm quite concerned that uh, Bernie Sanders seems to be capitalising on his uh, loss in the 2016 primary election to, to build on, on that support now purely in a, one sense because white states, predominantly white states, uh, are first in the caucuses. So we see the results from those white states and it reduces people's confidence in the viability of Joe Biden as a candidate even though Joe Biden had, at that point, high popularity with um, voters of colour, or particularly black voters. Uh, so here I am showing you that there are 
white working class women who voted for Trump, uh, who whose personal family finances mean a lot to them in terms of uh, policies they adopt. So Heather voted for Trump, uh, having thought that Hillary would would definitely get in anyway and that she'd be able to tell her family that she didn't vote for Hillary or that she wouldn't feel responsible. But she still thought Hillary would get in. So here we go. White support for Republicans weakened from 2016 to 2018. As the impeachment process accelerates, it's white women without a college degree who are gradually warming to the idea that the president's time is up. So 40% of them in November favoured impeachment up 11 points from mid-September. So I guess it's a little bit of a fallacy that you can overturn an autocrat just by pointing out that they're corrupt. Uh, people start to get very cynical and shrug off corruption and say both sides do it, etc., etc. It can be hard to motivate an electorate that's been deluged with the, the fire hose of fascism. When you govern by chaos and spectacle and you have a snake oil charlatan in, in charge saying, I'm fixing everything for you. So what a Democrat candidate needs to do without being too negative is describe the holes in the economy in a way that jives with people's perception of reality. When you tell a story that resonates with people's own perceptions, then you are coming across as the candidate that can best explain reality and that therefore can best work with reality. Uh, Bernie Sanders's anti-capitalist approach would resonate with a lot of people who are getting the rough end of the stick of capitalism and also with idealistic people, particularly young people. So Bernie Sanders scores well with young people but not with older people. And that would be a problem and is a problem because older people still, even as their demographic ranks are thinning as age and illness take them out of the voting population, uh, older people do not vote for socialists and do not vote for communists. And fascists just sneak up on them under the guise of being a successful businessman and a patriot. Uh, so a teacher in, in Iowa says, I don't think people here will continue to buy into someone who is unkind, but my argument today is that people get inured to unkindness, they still want their family's livelihoods to be protected. So when we look at swing states, which is what we should be doing, because we shouldn't be succumbing to electoral college amnesia, and we should never forget that American political system has this method of giving undue influence to rural states, to voters from rural states. And it comes into play much more significantly when there's a, a greater ideological divide or a greater cultural divide between rural and urban uh, folks. So 40% of the time the popular vote result is overturned in favour of the electoral college result in 40% of American presidential elections. So it's not novel, although it was very noticeable in the case of Donald Trump's election victory. Uh, so yes, we're here looking now at some figures about the industrial region, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa. 30 swing counties in Iowa supported Obama twice before switching their allegiance to Trump. Uh, Trump managed a 16-point swing in Dubuque, interesting, 
and Howard country. Four years after Obama's 21-point win, Trump carried it by 20 points. Let's have a look. People, somebody canvassed, cast their ballot for Gary Johnson and now support Pete Buttigieg because of his military service and student debt plan. The candidates have been doing a better job of coming to rural areas. Well, I guess you'd hope so. Trump's advantage is seven points. And Trump's lead in Iowa was only one point against Biden. So yes, essentially in the swing states, you need Joe Biden, uh, or at least you needed Joe Biden. Oh, look, we don't have any comments today. It's because I've started too late. Anybody who stayed up for the Dem election is probably not online now watching, watching little old me opine about American uh, elections. But I would like to point out to people that I follow this. I've been watching that... Uh, Trump issued a lot of pardons today. It's very predictable along a uh, pathway towards fascism. Uh, fascism becomes meaningless when you don't point out the consequences of fascism. So I should be going back into history and looking at how it worked out for your average German person. That initially they benefited when Hitler redistributed the spoils that he took from Jewish people. Similarly, Trump supporters might feel that they will personally benefit if Trump uh, validates their worldview by deporting, by deporting migrants. It's a psychological need that's as profound as the need for love and the need for affection and intimacy, as well as the physical need for food and water and shelter. People like to be confirmed in their understanding of the world and they gravitate towards things that confirm their understanding. So, oh, <laughs> I'm not used to so little viewers, but that's my, my fault for, uh, for starting to broadcast so late in the day instead of doing what I did, which was wrestle with um, Australian superannuation providers in a figurative sense. All right, so let's talk some more. I will bring up an article about Joe Biden and his uh, effect on swing voters in swing states because it is still quite important. In fact, very important. And the closer Bernie Sanders gets to um, pulling ahead in the primary race or at least getting more pundit talk time, uh, the more it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and the more whiteness comes to take on too critical a role. All right, let's scroll past some ads. A, an average of major national polls compiled by Real Clear Politics shows Biden leading nationally with 28.7% support. Um, so that was at uh, that point. Uh, Warren comes in as a distant third. Gosh, Newsweek has too many ads. Biden and Sanders are now tied for favorability amongst voters. Now both candidates are viewed favorably by 73% of respondents. 21% of those polls said they viewed Sanders and Biden unfavorably. 
So similar favourability scores and similar unfavourability scores. But I think if you look to independent voters who lean Republican, uh, and we should, and I will bring up another article to support, uh, to support that argument. So we'll remove that from screen. We'll add something else. Uh, who turns to Australians for political, American political commentary? Well, people of good sense. <laughs> uh, so here we go. I'm talking you through this article, which argues that um, Trump is strong amongst white non-college voters. Now, if you think about a bell curve, educated, college-educated people are looked up to, but they still comprise a small quantity of the bell curve. They're at the upper end. There's a bigger lump in the middle of people who haven't made it to college and yet occupy a lot less of the talk space. Uh, so, yes, we, you might have an increase in the Democrats' popular vote total, but a loss in the electoral college. So if you enjoy what I'm saying, please take up use of the term electoral college amnesia because that's what I want to prevent. Uh, so, yes, people have said that, oh, yes, we'll, we'll argue that um, if, if more African-Americans had turned out to vote, uh, Hillary would have won the election. And data from the State of Change Project, sponsored by the Brookings Institute and the Centre for American Progress, indicates that even if black turnout in the 2016 election had matched that of 2012, it dropped apparently from 62 to 57%, Clinton would still have lost. However, if she had managed to reduce her losses amongst white non-college voters by a mere one quarter, hang on, one quarter of a percent? Do they mean 25%? They must mean one quarter. Anyway, she would be president today. So that's an issue of persuasion, not turnout. Uh, yes. Um, youth turnout increased their turnout in the 2016 election more than any other age group. Uh, and they increased, if only slightly, their margin of support for the Democratic candidate. But the age cohort that really damaged Democrats was voters aged 45 to 64, who had split evenly in 2012, but then leaned Republican by six percentage points four years later in 2016. So that's voters aged 45 to 64. Does how Sanders appeal to those people? Sanders' bouquet of unpopular positions hardly seems likely to help the Democrats make up ground amongst those voters. So basically anybody who supports Sanders has electoral college amnesia. And I've been arguing that Sanders lacks support amongst people of colour, but apparently he's been um, making up some ground there as well. Probably not so much a rise in Sanders' uh, popularity, but a fall in Biden's relative to Sanders because of the advent of Bloomberg on the scene and his blanket uh, ad campaigning is eating into Biden's support. So... I'll have to remember next time uh, to come online a bit earlier to talk to people. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for tuning in today. And if you have any uh, feedback or any contribution or anyone you'd like to suggest that I interview, please, please feel free to do so. And yes, talk to you again. Talk to you again soon.
Take care. Bye-bye.